Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome once again to our study of the book of Proverbs. Now today we're going to be talking about some very sensitive subjects. And so if you're a young person and you're watching this film and you're watching it alone, I would really encourage you to just kind of pause it right now and uh, go get your mom and dad and and let them see the introduction and hopefully the whole thing uh, with you. Uh, We're going to be talking about marriage and the need to be faithful in marriage and what happens uh, when faithfulness under God is not followed. And so we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 2. And like I said, pause it for a moment. Get your mom and dad if they're not already with you. I would really appreciate them uh, coming and listening. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 2. And let's just begin in verse 11. And we're going to read through to verse 19. It says, Discretion will guard you, understanding will watch over you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Now, verse 16 is where we will begin our study. To deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you for the privilege of being able to share with these uh, dear young people and hopefully their parents. And I I pray, Lord, that you would give me discernment, that you would give them discernment for this sensitive issue about marriage and faithfulness. Father, please help us. We live in times that are distressful and in many ways morally dark. Help us to live, Lord, not as legalists, but as new creatures following your Son in purity and love. And Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in Proverbs uh, chapter 12, verses 12 through 15, we have the study in our last session about how God's wisdom delivers us from evil men who speak perverse, twisted things. They live in a way that disagrees or contradicts with the will of God, and they speak things that contradict the will of God, and especially trying to draw others away from God and into their moral darkness. Now, in verses 16 through 19, the Bible speaks about deliverance from the evil woman, from the adulteress, from the woman who is not faithful in her marriage. Now, um, God has used women here, uh, an adulterous woman, but there are also, also adulterous men, men who are not faithful to their marriage covenant or their families. And so both of these things are very, very 
dangerous. One of the most important institutions in the Bible is the family. And the family is, is a way in which we can, um, we can find protection, and we can find peace, and we can find instruction. And it is very important in the scriptures that we're faithful to each member of our family, that the husband be faithful to his wife and the wife to her husband, that the parents be faithful to their children and children be faithful to their parents. And finally, the children also be faithful to one another. Well, let's begin our study. And first of all, let's look at who this woman is. She is given two different names here. The first one is a strange woman, and the second one is an adulteress. Now, I'm going to rely heavily uh, on the New English translation and some of its translation notes, which were very helpful in understanding why is this woman called a strange woman and, and at another time literally an alien woman. So let's look. Strange woman. Let's look at verse 16. To deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress, which literally means alien woman, who flatters with her words. Now, the word, the phrase strange woman, sometimes this refers to a person, man or woman, the word strange, as being ethically foreign to Israel. That means they're not of the bloodline of Abraham. Uh, they could also be called foreigners, strangers. Um, in this case, since the world was kind of divided up into two groups, the people of God, the Jews, and, and the rest of the world, pagans or Gentiles, this, this term is often used to describe a Gentile. But sometimes it's used, to, especially in the book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms, it is used to describe someone who is morally estranged from God and his covenant. And that means it's used to describe a person who may, may be of the bloodline of Abraham, may be a part of the nation of Israel, but who does not live according to the covenant, does not live according to the laws of the covenant, and does not, um, does not fear God. And we can see this, can't we, even today uh, in Christianity. There are many people who will actually attend church and they will identify themselves with Christianity, but in fact... They're strangers to the covenant. They're strangers to grace. They, they do not reverence God. They do not walk in the fear of God. Their lives are not marked by obedience. And thirdly, the term strange is often used to describe the adulteress. And I want to be very, very sensitive here, young person. That I want you to understand it this way. That someone who would, someone from outside your family, who would seek to break up your family and by either taking your mother or your father and making them a part of your fam of their family. So it would be, let's say you have a mother and father and three brothers and, and all of a sudden there's a woman came along and she, through her words of flattery and deception, um, took your father away to be a part of her family and he was no longer with you or your mother. Or someone came and a man with deceptive words and flattery came and, and broke up your family and took your mother and left you alone. So that's kind of the way I want us to look at it. I want us just to simply see here today the idea of the importance of marriage, the importance of a man and a woman staying together, and the importance of, of all of us living according to the commands of God within the context of our family. Now, the other word that is used here in, um, in verse 16, first of all, she's called the strange woman. 
or we could say strange man, and then the adulteress or the adulterer. Now, this word literally has almost the same meaning as the word we just described. Literally, it's the alien woman. Remember, it's the strange woman. Now it's the alien woman. And again, it can refer to someone outside of the bloodline of Abraham, outside of Israel, pagans or Gentiles. Secondly, it can refer to a person who's inside Israel in the sense that they're of the bloodline of Abraham, but they, they do not live according to the promises and commands that God has revealed in the Old Testament or among his people. And then finally, it can refer to a promiscuous person. Um, that means a person who's not faithful in their relationships with others. For example, a husband who's not faithful to his wife and, and maybe goes away with another woman or a, a wife who's not faithful to her husband and goes away with another man. And so and breaks up the family. Again, the family, like the church, was instituted by God. And what God has brought together in marriage and family, no man, no woman should seek to break apart. Now, let's look at the kind of woman, the kind of man, the kind of person that would enter into another family and break it up in, in this way. Uh, the type of man who would take another man's wife, the type of woman who would take another woman's husband. Well, first of all, we see here in verse 17, look very carefully. It says that she leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. So the first thing we see that she has left the companion of her youth. She's left her own husband or in the case of a man, he's left his own wife. The word means to leave or forsake or abandon to simply go away as though they had no commitment whatsoever, as though they had made no promises, they just break apart and go away. Now, she has also forgotten the covenant of her God. The, the word kind of means the same thing, to forget and then to leave or abandon or forsake. Now, young person, let me, let me show you something that's very, very important. You've probably been to a marriage and you see people taking vows you know, um, the man says certain things and, or the preacher will ask certain questions and the man says, I do. And the preacher will ask the woman certain questions and she says, I do. And then they exchange rings. Well, I don't want you to think that in a Christian marriage, they're just making vows to one another. Now they are. They're making promises to one another, but there's something far greater going on. They're making promises to God. They're making promises to God. And that is even more important to their prom than their promises to one another, you see. So when, when a person gets married, for example, let's say I'm a man and uh, I'm married and I'm married to a lady whose name is Chado. And when I made those promises to Chado that I would be faithful, that I would stay with her no matter what, well, I made those promises to God. Now, now here's the thing I want you to see. And Enchado also made promises to me. And in making those promises to me, she made promises to God. Now, here's what I want you to see. My wife is, is, is a good woman, but she's not perfect. I hope to be a good man, but I'm definitely not perfect. So there are going to be times when 
Maybe I give my wife reason to just be frustrated and say, oh my goodness, what have I done marrying this guy? Or my wife could do things in which, you know, it, it, it's a disappointment. And, and, and so we can fail each other. And, and if I, I can say it this way, we can give each other reasons for the other one to be unfaithful and just say, I want to go away. I'm, I'm tired of, of your imperfections, you see. Or if my wife is impatient with me, I feel like I can be impatient with her. If, she's in, if, if uh, I'm impatient with her, she can respond and say, you're not going to get lunch today. Um, we always give each other reasons to maybe not be as faithful as we ought to be. But you see, we didn't just make promises to one another. We made promises to God. And God never gives us a reason to fail at our promises because he never fails at his. You know, I, I, you could say, you know, my wife could say to me, you were, you were insensitive to me last night, therefore I have a right to be mad at you this morning. Well, but see, we can't ever say that to God. We can't point out some flaw in God and say, because you did this wrong thing, I have a right to react in a wrong way. So you see, I never have a right to be unfaithful to my wife, no matter what she does, because I didn't just make the promise to her. I made it to God. And that's what I want you to see, young person. When you get married, it is very, very serious. You better think about it. You better pray about it. You better study the scriptures. You better get wise counsel from all the wise people you can, because it's permanent. You're making a promise to God. But in this case, this woman has forgotten the covenant over God. She just doesn't care. And, and, and that's just doubly wicked. I mean, it's one thing to forget your promises to another person. It's quite another to also forget and abandon all your promises and your vows to God. Now, here's something that I want you to think about. I, I just want to read this. I've said it, but I want to summarize it. Marriage is not just a human contract. You know, a contract in law is, um, I promise to do something for someone. And they promise to do something in return. Well, marriage is also called a contract in which I am making promises to my wife and my wife is making promises to me. And we're both making promises to God. So marriage is not just a human contract between a man and a woman, but marriage is also a contract or covenant between man and the woman and God. Now that makes you think um, a little bit differently, doesn't it, about marriage? That it is a very solemn, very beautiful thing. And it shouldn't you shouldn't enter into it fearfully, but you should enter into it knowing that it's the will of God and that others affirm it. And with the greatest intention of having a lifelong commitment. Now, here's what I want you to think. Um, let's say that uh, some woman comes along, you're married, and she says, no, no, you're, I'm better than your wife. Come and be with me. I will be faithful to you. I will be a blessing to you. Or a man comes along, you're, you're a girl and you're married, and a man comes along and says, leave your husband and leave your kids. I will be good to you. I will be better to you. I will be faithful. Well, here's something I want you to realize. Um, they have been unfaithful to their own spouses, and they have been unfaithful to God, 
So what makes you think they're going to be faithful to you? If a man will be unfaithful to his wife and then make promises to another woman, why should that woman believe him? Or vice versa. Now here's something I also want you to see, young person. It's very, very important. Just listen. I'm going to read it. If you have a friend who lies about other people to you, they gossip to you about other people, and they're unfaithful to their other friends, what makes you think they're going to be faithful to you? You see that. So you want to really distance yourself from people who are unfaithful to other people. Because more than likely, they're also going to be unfaithful to you. It's like uh, the saying, there is no loyalty among thieves. If they'll rob from everybody else, they'll rob from you. You see? Now, let's go on. Um, here's something else I want you to think about. I had to pause for a minute. If, a young, if the young man or young woman one day that you're thinking about marrying is not faithful to their own parents, if they are always disobeying their own parents, if they're slandering their own parents, what makes you think they won't do the same to you? You see, th this is something we rarely consider. We, we see someone very disobedient, very slanderous, very offensive to others, and, but, but they call themselves our friend, or they say they want to marry us, want to be faithful to us. But if they're not faithful to other important people in their life that God has placed there, what makes you think they're going to be faithful to you? Now, I know that there are dysfunctional families and I know that there are children that have very, very dysfunctional parents. But I'm just talking about the normal situation, normal family, normal parents. Um, I always tell my children, you know, I tell my boys, if, if that girl that you're thinking about marrying is very disobedient to her parents, what makes you think she's going to want to follow you? Or I tell my daughter, if the young man you're thinking about marrying is not respectful to his mother, doesn't honor his own mother. What, what makes you think he's going to honor you? Look for faithfulness. Look for faithfulness in your own life. Seek to be faithful. Seek to be faithful. And always re realize something. You don't want to enter into a contract, especially a marriage covenant, with a person that has a history of being unfaithful and the other aspects of their life and their other relationships. Now, how does she influence others to go astray? She flatters with her words. Look at verse 16. To deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words. Now, do you notice similarities between what we have here, the evil woman, and what we studied last week, the evil man? Do you, do you notice similarities? Because there's some great similarities. They both use words. The man speaks perverse things, and that means twisted things, dislocated things, deceptive things, um, things that are contrary to the will of God, or, or he will speak in such a way as to cast doubt upon what God has said. And when he's got you to that point doubting, he'll come just out and out and say, deny what God says. Now, the woman does something very similar. She speaks with flattery. 
Now, I want to read here, the word flattery is translated from a Hebrew verb that means to be smooth or slippery. You know, uh, people say that was a good drink because it went down so smooth, you see. And, and she will speak smooth words to you. And what does that really mean? She will play on your pride and your desire to be exalted. She will play on your pride and your desire to be exalted. Let me say it another way. She will play on your pride and your desire to be worshipped. She will say things about you. She will exalt you. She will make you think she thinks you are the greatest thing ever. When in reality, you're probably just like me or just normal people. Now, there are people in this world, and I want you to see this, young people. Not everybody is bad. There are good people. God has some good people on this planet. And there are people who are great encouragers. I, I know some people like that, and they're just wonderful, and I want to be more like them. They, they will always encourage you. They'll, you're doing better. You're doing great. I'm so proud of you. And, and I, I've learned as a father that um, I need to be more encouraging to my children, to my wife. It, it is so much power. But there's a difference between encouragement and just flattery. It's saying things about you that simply are not real. It's not reality. And it plays on your ego. It plays on your desire to be exalted. It plays on your desire to think you're number one, to be worshipped. Be very, very cautious of flattery, not just from the opposite sex, but from anyone. From anyone. And learn how to discern the difference between encouragement, which is a biblical thing, and healthy, and flattery, which is unbiblical, deceptive, and very, very harmful. Now, uh, I want to look at this for just a moment, her speech. If you go to Proverbs 5, I think I've got to change the day in which I do the time of day when I do these studies. It seems like I'm always wanting to yawn. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to look at her speech just a little more. And look what it says in verse 3. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. Ever since I was a little boy, I loved honey. I put honey on, on everything. I lived in a place where there was a lot of bees, a farm, had honey all the time. It was wonderful. All right. And then oil. It's referring probably to olive oil. My wife is Mediterranean, you know, and, uh, and I love Mediterranean food. She puts olive oil in everything. And olive oil is so smooth. It's so delicious. And that's the type of speech. And, and here's something very important that I forgot to mention, the encourager, the true encourager will also speak truth to you that sometimes will hurt, sometimes even offend. He'll not just say good things, but he'll also say healthy, corrective things. Where the flatterer, no. There's no medicine with the flatterer. They're never going to give you anything bitter or hard to swallow. It's always going to be things that your flesh, your ego wants to hear and it's very dangerous because what are they trying to do manipulate you take control of you use you be very 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 careful of that now it also says but in the end she is bitter as wormwood bitter as gall 
It'll go down smooth, but in the end, you'll suffer for it. You'll pay for it. Just like when maybe sometimes you've gone and said, man, I'm going to tear up this whole gallon of ice cream while no one's home. And it was so good going down. But about a half hour later, you were hurting. You were really, really hurting. And that's, that's what we're talking about here. Also, sharp as a two-edged sword. The Bible often mentions swords, but when it mentions a two-edged sword, a very dangerous, dangerous thing that can cut and can kill. And this is her speech. And, and we've seen that. Now look at this. Just look at this for a moment. We've been confronted with the evil man, the evil woman, and in both cases they use evil speech to trick, to deceive. Now, I want us to think for a moment. Just go to John 8. Keep your place here in Proverbs. And let's go to John 8, 44 for just a moment. Um... Look what Jesus says. He's speaking to um, many of the leaders who did not believe him and opposed him. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. It's referring back to the garden from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Um, the devil is a liar. And whenever there's a lot of lying going on, and flattery is lying, a form of lying. Deceptive speech is a form of lying. You, you know it's not of God. And there's there's the devil behind it. Also, the one of the devil's names is, is slanderer. So if you know somebody who's constantly slandering other people, you know this is not of God. It's not of God. It's very dangerous. And of the devil, speech is a very powerful thing for good in the encourager, the biblical encourager, and for evil and destruction in, um, in the flatterer, in the deceiver. Now, I want us to go back, not to Proverbs. Let's jump all the way back to the front of the Bible again and go to Genesis 3 and look at this. Just, just look at it. Here we see both things. We see both things. Deception and, in a sense, flattery. Now the serpent, verse 1, was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. He's casting doubt. He hasn't denied it. He's just casting doubt. He's putting that little seed of doubt in the head of Eve. And the woman said to the serpent, from the, tree of the, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. Now, out and out, lie. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Now, all right, that's deception. That's lying. But now we're going to see at least a hint of flattery. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He's sitting something before, you know, this. Remember I talked about flattery was the desire to be worshipped. There's there's this inherent thing in our flesh, in our fallenness. It's the desire to be God. To take his place. And, and to sit on that throne and to receive the worship. I, I've heard uh, many godly men say this. I don't know with whom it originated. 
But have you ever met a person who everything they do, the way they dress, the way they talk, everything, is, it seems to be to draw attention to themselves. And I've heard godly men say, when you do that, when you're telling everybody in the room, look at me, look at me, you're saying, don't look at God, don't look at God, look at me, look at me. And that is a very, very dangerous thing to do. Now, what is the result of uh, following her? Let's go back to Proverbs. Excuse me. Man, I tell you, I need to get more sleep. Um, Proverbs chapter 2. And um, the result of following her is just death. And it's said in, in such a powerful way, for her house sinks down to the dead and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her again, nor do they reach the paths of life. No, none who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. You can't be more emphatic than that. I remember one time in this other country, um, someone, I guess, had just, I don't know, uh, desecrated a cemetery or something. I happened to be going through there, and, and there, it was horrible. Inside these mausoleums and everything, they were just, they were just you know, corpses laying everywhere. You go inside it um, and there were just corpses everywhere. I remember another time when uh, there was this strange natural phenomenon, this flooding that was horrible and it literally all the caskets of this country I was in kind of came out of the ground and floated into town. And it was, it was just like death everywhere. Everywhere. I, I can remember during during the war, it just this bomb went off, and I was very near. A lot of people were killed, laying on the ground, and I can remember walking through them, blood on my shoes, and just death everywhere. And 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 that's that's the idea here. It's just death. Her house sinks down to death. Her tracks lead to the dead. And if you follow her, there's just death. Now. Let me look at it this way. And a lot of this is from counseling over the years. And I've just seen this. And how does death manifest itself with regard to being unfaithful in your marriage? Um, it's like death to the marriage. And in a sense, death to the children. I've been in counseling sessions right after a, a husband or a wife has said that they're leaving and they walk out the door and the other spouse calls me or the other pastors and we show up and there's maybe the wife sitting there or the husband and the children and maybe in-laws or something. And when you walk in, they're literally sitting there in a room and it looks just like when you walk in after someone in the family has died. It's, it's just like death. No one even knows what to say. They're just kind of staring at the wall. So she, she's, in one sense, by leaving her husband, leaving her children, she's caused death to her own family. But then there's death to the marriage and the children of the one of the man who's, who goes away with her or the woman who goes away with an adulterous man. It, it just brings death to their own family. So here's two families now destroyed. Also, young person, now listen to me very, very carefully. 
this these things not only apply to people who are married, but uh, this is going to sound funny, but I, I remember the first time I told my boys this, and, and they were probably, I don't know, six years old or something. And I told them that they needed to be faithful to their wives. And uh, I told my daughter the same thing. As a matter of fact, we had a study in, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned this again, the need for my children, even though none of them are married, um, to be faithful to their, their future wife and their future husband. And not only that, not only be faithful, but to pray for them. You see, if you're a young person, you're listening to me right now and you're single, let's say you're even 10 years old or 12 years old, um, it's more than likely that, that if you're a guy that your wife is already born. And that if you're a girl, that your husband is born. He's out there somewhere. Uh, he's a little boy just like you're a little girl. He's out there. And one day you're going to meet him. And, or if you're a guy, one day you're going to meet her. And so you need to be faithful to her now. You need to be faithful to him now. Now you need to be faithful. Did you see that? You said, well, I'm not married. But that doesn't make a difference. You will be married. So be faithful to them now and be faithful to your God now. Also, let me encourage you, young person. I, I know, let's say you're seven years old and you think, oh, this sounds crazy, but it's not. Pray for your future spouse. Pray for them. You're a young guy. Let's say you're 14. And your wife is alive, more than likely. Uh, she's going to go through difficulties. She's going to go through trials. It doesn't matter that you don't know her yet. God knows her. And you can pray for her. Lord, I pray for my future wife. Lord, I pray for my future husband. Please help them today. Please help them through the trials of their life. Please help them... That they might know you and that they might grow. You see that? Just think, if you don't get married for another 15 years, you've already prayed for your spouse for 15 years. That's got to mean something. And um, so, so think about that. Now, there's another thing that, that happens when you're unfaithful to your wife or unfaithful to your husband and you go off with someone else in an unfaithful manner. There's another way in which death can, in a sense, it's a death to your reputation. Uh, look in Proverbs chapter 5. Look in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 14. Uh, and this is in the case of a, a young man who follows after an adulteress. And he says in verse 14, I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. The, the, you have a reputation, and and there, you know, all sin is sin, and all sin is vile before God. But there, there are some sins that wreck greater damage, uh, wreck greater havoc, not only on yourself but on everyone involved. And adultery is one of them. Being unfaithful is one of them with regard to marriage and relationships. And it's not impossible, but it's sometimes very, very hard, if not impossible to reach full restoration after doing something like that. And, and I'll give you an example by looking in Proverbs 6. Look in verse 30. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is hungry, but when he is found, he must repay sevenfold. Okay, he must give all the substance of his house. So, guy commits thief, you know, commits a thievery, he, he gets caught, 
People will forgive him, but still there's going to be consequences. But look at 32. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself does it. See, this is worse than just thievery. Wounds and disgrace he will find, and his reproach will not be blotted out. Okay? You gain a reputation. Now, young man, listen to me. Young lady, you don't have to be married to gain a bad reputation in this area. Not only should you be, like I said, praying for your future husband or wife, you should be faithful to them now. Don't gain a reputation of being a, a young man who has, you know, always with making promises and breaking the hearts of young ladies. And don't be known as a young girl who does the same thing. Because not only are you being not being faithful to them, you're not being faithful to your God, you're not being faithful to your future spouse, and you're not being faithful to your parents. And you're creating a reputation that's going to be hard to cleanse. Now, now he talks about uh, verse 34, the husband's response uh, of the woman that you have taken. For jealousy enrages a man, and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not accept any ransom, nor will he be satisfied, though you give him many gifts. Now, I'm not saying that in Proverbs is saying right or wrong here. Proverbs is just stating fact. You steal from a man, he's going to be angry. He may forgive you, but he's still going to require that you, you repay. But you take a man's wife, or you take a woman's husband, and restoration will be very, very hard to find. Now, I want you just to know this, that one day you will marry, most likely. Be faithful now. Honor God in everything. And it's a lot easier to stay faithful when you realize that you're not just being faithful to a future spouse, you're being faithful to God now. Another thing is, it's very important, if you're faithful now, you keep yourself pure. Don't enter into a lot of relationships with the opposite sex or anything like that. Be very, very careful. It will bless your future marriage. You'll have less problems in your future marriage if you stay faithful now, even before your marriage. All right, well, we have uh, come close to the end of chapter two. We've got one more thing that we're going to teach on, and we'll do that in the in the next lesson. So God bless you and and thank you for uh, for watching these videos. I hope they're a blessing. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.